Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, everybody. Today is Saturday, April 15th, and this is the secret mass of money. <laughs> Excuse me. Apologies. Hey, everybody. Sorry I'm a little, a little late there. Uh, and a little change. Usually on this Saturday, we would be doing, I would be doing the Bunny Slippers of Evil Job Seekers show, but because next week I won't be doing the show at all. And um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave this topic that we talked about last week uh, for three weeks. So I did a switch. So today um, you're getting a uh, secret map of money. Um, everybody, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Uh, this weekend is Easter. I hope you all will have a safe and uh, prosperous Easter, whatever you do, if you do celebrate it. So let's get into this. Now, if you remember from last week, the topic we were talking about is investing 101. And we had a question during the show. And the question was by a friend of mine, Kevin, who asked, was it possible for him to buy, buy a lot of stock, which would then raise the price, and then he could sell his stock for a profit? Theoretically, that is possible. And I said that last week. But as I thought about it, uh, or after the show, that question goes a lot more into the underlying foundation of how the stock market works. And, and let me try to explain that. First of all, can you buy stocks? Sorry, I'm sweating. I worked out this morning. Can you buy stocks, raise the price, and then sell the stock you bought at a profit? Theoretically, yes, you can. And as I said last week, you got to come to the table with a lot of money. We're talking billions of dollars you probably got to come to the table with, okay? So, uh, and the reason, and, and the other thing about doing that, about trying to do that, first of all, um, let me back up a second and get my disclaimer. I am not a financial planner, financial advisor, or anything. Everything I say here is just my opinion. Take my advice with a grain of salt. Take this as entertainment. Uh, if you follow anything I say here, you're on your own. I'll, I'll, I always encourage you. If, you see, if I say something that interests you, go research it yourself and then make a decision for yourself if that's something that you individually choose to do. So that's my disclaimer. Um, but the thing about, first of all, stock manipulation is real. It does happen in a variety of ways. I'm not going to go into it. But what you're talking about doing is stock manipulation. And aside from just needing a lot of money, and I'm talking billions most likely, depending on the size of the company that you're um, buying or that you're, you're looking at, how much stock they have outstanding and so on, you need a lot of money. Um, what you would be trying to do is move that stock just a little bit and hope that that little bit of movement with all the stock you own would make you a lot of money. But the other thing is you have to do it in such a way that nobody knows that it's you buying it. See, stock prices are based on supply and demand, okay? What you would be doing is increasing the demand without increasing the supply, so you'd have a, 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 a shift. That increased demand without an increase in, in supply, you would want, <clears throat> excuse me, to drive the price up. But if people know you're doing that, they're not, most likely not going to buy into it. Now, there was a scene, I think I mentioned it last week, a scene from the movie Trading Places 
where two traders, two traders were on the floor, and they were seeing the Dukes were buying orange juice futures or whatever, and the guy said, hey, the Dukes know something. Let's get in on it. That's the, under, that's the foundation of the stock market. You have a stock, and you're hoping that somebody else will want it. Okay, if nobody wants your stock, the price is going to drop. But you're hoping always, no matter what stock you're buying, that there will always be somebody willing to pay you for that stock at the price it's at or higher. So if you do this, if, if, if you undertake this, and people know that you're doing that, one person is, is, is investing, yeah, there will be a few people that might um, jump on the bandwagon. But, again, you're talking billions of dollars you need to invest, billions. And you got to make sure nobody knows because, again, people know they're not going to do it. So ideally you'd have to buy it through several different channels, okay, thousands of channels most likely. And if you're talking about a big stock, you're talking about, say, hypothetically, you're talking about Apple. Warren Buffett owns like 2% of Apple, um, which is several billion dollars of the stock, okay. Uh, He can't even move the stock you know, enough to make a profit on it. Okay, so you're talking about, but my point is the stock market, and I had this conversation with somebody this week, the stock market, the stock prices, stocks move not on fundamentals, they move on emotion. Literally what happened this past week, United Airlines, they dragged somebody off of a flight and everybody saw it on video, Okay. The next day, their stock dropped 3%. Their underlying fundamentals of the company did not change at all. But the next day, their stock dropped 3%. It eventually moved back up and only was down 1%. But that movement was not because of the fundamentals of the company changing. That was because of emotion. People saw what happened on that United Airlines flight. They got mad. They sold their stock. Supply, supply increased. Demand didn't, so now you got it, inequality. That's what drove that price down because people were mad. If you looked at Twitter, you saw a lot of people that were turning in their United Miles. They said, I'll never fly this airline. Again, all kinds of things were being said. The stock price moves on emotion. The stock market is based on emotion. Yes, when a company does their quarterly earnings, based on those earnings, we're going to talk about that in a minute, based on those earnings, the price might go up or down. But after that, and even that is emotion, okay? Here's the thing, and we didn't talk about it last week, but I wanted to get into our, oh, another, another example of emotion. Uh, and I don't know, I believe this is true. I've heard it is, heard it. But there was back in the 17th century, there was a, uh, in, in, in uh, the Netherlands, Netherlands somewhere, there was uh, tulip bulbs that people used to buy. And uh, they'd be very, very beautiful tulip bulbs. And they became very much in demand to the point where people were buying them and still in the ground, tulip bulbs, flowers. And people were, were buying futures on the tulip bulbs. And it became such a raise that everybody was buying it. And why was everybody buying it? Not because they wanted these beautiful bulbs, but because they thought there was somebody else after them that would pay them more for it. Well, one day somebody said, I'm not paying that. And the whole system collapsed. And it took down the economy. Okay? Emotion. Nothing fundamentally changed. The emotion drove the tulip bulbs to be the greatest thing in the world anybody could ever have to being something nobody wants to touch, okay, in blink of an eye. Let's talk about analysts, 
So I, I wanted to get that out of the way because I wanted to answer Kevin's question because he, he asked the question was really good and it really um, goes to the foundation of how the stock market works. And I wanted to address that. Um, let's talk about analysts. Now, analysts are people who, who, who review companies, they analyze companies, hence the name analysts, they analyze companies and give a report. And they say, well, this company, we expect this company to do this. Okay, analysts will look at the company. They will look at the supply chain. They will try to find as much publicly available information as possible, and maybe they'll interview people in the company, and they try to get some insight into how things are going. And the analysts will come back and say, okay, our projections for this company from an income statement, income perspective, revenue, whatever, is X. And as a result of that, we expect the stock price to be X. Why? Because the price-to-earnings ratio, you probably heard the P&E ratio and things like all these other factors, they say this goes into the stock price. Me personally, I think that's a load of garbage. I think, and I think I might have said this, and if I hadn't said it before, my opinion, looking at P&E ratios and a lot of other things to determine the stock price is an, is a, an answer looking for a question. Again, stock price moves daily. The company announces earnings quarterly. So explain to me how they can announce something in January. It doesn't change, but this happens every, every day. If this isn't changing, if you're saying the P&E is this, therefore the stock price should be this, why does it change? Okay. But analysts will go through uh, the company. They will look at the company. They will look at different things in the company. They will call people, et cetera, and they will give an estimate of what they think, a projection of what they think is going to happen in the company. Now, what is totally ridiculous is when the company does announce earnings, what's crazy is when the stock price changes, not necessarily based on how the company did, but how the company did compared to what this analyst said they were going to do. Again, my personal feeling, if an analyst is that good telling a company how they should be run, maybe he should be CEO of that company. Okay. But the fact that the analyst says company X is going to make 37 cents a share and company X, after doing all their actual work, come out at 32 cents a share and people get mad and the stock price drops. Why? Because they didn't meet the analyst, excuse me, the analyst expectations. An analyst's opinion, as well-researched as it may be, my opinion I pull one out my behind, and it's just as valid. I'm sorry, but it's, it's not law. It's not etched in stone, okay? Uh, I was having a conversation this week with somebody who was talking about they're doing their research and looking at the charts, and the charts of different stocks will tell you what's going to happen. And I'm thinking, no, the, the stock market, here's the basic foundation of everything. The stock market price, prices are based on emotion. Grandma decides to buy her grandson some stock. And she buys whatever, AAA whatever, because that was the first one. Or she buys um, public statements, um, boxes, whatever, because her granddaughter's name is Penelope. It begins with a P, so she looks for a company with a P in the name. That's the reality of what happens. That's why the stock prices move. So when analysts come at, now, don't get me wrong, I do look at what analysts say not because I necessarily trust and agree with them, but because I know that other people do. 
And if a bunch of analysts will say, well, this stock should do this, and I'm like, okay, I'm watching the stock. And if it comes in, the, the uh, earnings per share or whatever comes in lower than that, I know, okay, people are going to trash this stock. Let me let it drop. Maybe I can jump in. The value of analysts to me. Now, granted, I mean, and I will say, I've had some, some education in this, and I have been known to look at quarterly statements um, to see if the numbers, see which way the numbers are going, what the numbers are irrelevant, what direction the numbers are going is what I'm looking at. Okay, that, that's just me. Um, like I said, I, I, you decide for yourself how intense you want your research to be. But at the end of the day, you're going to buy or not, you're going to sell or not. Okay, so the thing is the analyst expectations drive the stock price. That is crazy. Yes, the analysts call the supply train. They call this supplier and that supplier. They, they call the stores and check and see how many computers they had available and all of this kind of stuff. But they're not running a billion things that are involved in running a company. And a bigger organization, you know, Apple or GM or anybody, there's a million things that go into running that company. And that analyst cannot understand all those things. And if they can't, I'm not, okay, they, maybe they can't understand them, but they can't get insight into them. That company is doing the actual work. That's like somebody telling you, if you do this many sit-ups, this many push-ups, this many whatever, you're going to lose a pound and a half. And then you do it, and you lose a pound. And everybody basically says, well, you're wrong, because the analyst said you should have lost a pound and a half. That's crazy. Again, I respect analysts. I do look at them. When they all start going in the same direction, I look. When they diverge, because, yes, they do diverge. Sometimes you look at analyst, analyst projections. And one analyst is saying buy, one analyst is saying sell. But technically, they're looking at the same information. Okay? Take it with a grain of salt. With all due respect to analysts, I, I appreciate their work, but take it with a grain of salt. Okay? Um, another thing, um, I had this conversation with somebody, and I tried to tell them yesterday. If somebody has a foolproof method of investing where they say you're absolutely guaranteed to make this much money, investing in the stock market, I have to ask you a, a very simple question. If you had a foolproof way, foolproof way of making money in the stock market, would you tell anybody? Think of that through. You had a foolproof method of making money. Would you tell anybody? Let, let that marinate for a minute. So back to analysts. So the analysts projections, because they, they project a few things. One thing they project is, you know, when, and when earnings statements come out, they'll say, well, we expect the stock to make to the company to earn whatever per share. Okay? And that's basically the total income, total revenue divided by the number of shares outstanding. Um, analysts will also give you a price target on the stock, which I never understood. And the reason I say I never understood it is because if the stock, I mean, it, it's funny. Sometimes they'll give a price estimate that's lower and, but they expect it's good things, but the price has already reached that. You know. But analysts will say, in six months, we expect the price on this stock to be $175. Maybe today the stock is selling for 160 Okay, in six months, it'll be that price. Okay, what if it's not? Um, what if it is? Do you mean on that day it's going to hit that or sometime during the period? Okay, sometime during that period it hits there. Okay, good. You, you, you pull the number out the air and we hit it. 
But sometimes it doesn't mean. Why? Because stuff like the airline drags a person off the plane. Analysts don't take that into account. They can't take that into account because nobody knew what was going to happen. Okay? Snapchat went public about three or four weeks ago. Um, I talked about this. You know, I don't know what it projected to, but it went public at 17. It shot up to 29. It's selling at 20 now. I don't think any analysts expected that. Analysts are people. They make mistakes. I'm not, they've never said they were perfect, but they make mistakes. Okay? The mistakes, when I say mistakes, mean they say a number and it doesn't happen. They don't publicize that too much. Okay? So take it all with a grain of salt. Okay? Let me see. Um, let me make sure I cover because I had a lot to cover in my notes and I didn't cover it last week. So that's analysts. What analysts do is analyze the company, analyze the stock, and they should be able to tell you um, what's going on. Take it with a grain of salt because, again, they are not in the company. They are not the 40,000 or 50,000 employees in the company. They are not the CFO who's seeing the actual numbers coming in, okay? Um, they give an opinion. Remember, it is an opinion, okay? No analyst, whether you're on TV or CNN anywhere else, will ever guarantee that something will happen with respect to a stock price. And the reason being, because if it doesn't happen, you got 400 million people ready to sue you. I have an E-Trade account. How do you feel about the PDT rule? What's the PDT rule, Tina? Um, right, it, this, this explain. I don't, I don't know what the PDT rule is. Um, but while, while, while Tina is going to get into that or, or tell me what that is, um, we talked about the um, rule, and, and now it slips in my mind the name of it, where brokers have to, and I talked about it a few weeks ago, where the brokers – Fiduciary rule, that's the one I, I, I talked about, where the brokers have to give you uh, advice that's in your best interest. Uh, current administration, the, that rule is what's going to affect this month. It's not going into effect. Overnight trading. Okay, um, the PDT rule for overnight trading. Um, I'll say this. Anywhere in the world, there's a market open. Um, there have been people who have done things where they've looked at stocks that are traded on different markets, in the market, like we have the New York Stock Exchange, there's Japan one, and so so on. They compared the prices between the two stock stock exchanges, and again, those um, ours is in dollars, theirs is in yen. Somebody else might be in uh, euro, whatever. Um, when you get into overnight trading, see, I don't I don't do overnight trading. And one of the reasons is um, because you got to start getting into to currencies. Now, people have figured out ways to make money off the, 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 the uh, fluctuations in currency rates, in exchange rates. So you have a, a stock that's selling for X on this exchange and it's selling for Y on this exchange. And when you convert those currencies, oh, it's selling for lower over here, the same stock. Well, maybe I can buy it here and sell it here. Um, but then you've got to report the exchange rate, which is also changing. So I'll be honest, Tina, I can, I can do some research and talk about it on, the, on a future show, but uh, right now I just don't, I don't know what the P, PDT rule is, but I do appreciate your question. But maybe that's something we should, um, that I should get into, overnight trading. I'll do some uh, research on that and come back, and in the future I will uh, definitely try to address any issues around uh, overnight trading. Um, but thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Um, let me see what else I got to talk about. I got about 11 minutes left. It's, it's amazing how fast this, this, this half hour goes. Uh, here's one. How do you re reduce risk? I think I did a show on risk. Um, risk. The problem with risk 
there's no absolute number. There's no absolute uh, scale. Uh, go back 35 years ago, uh, Mike Milken did, had these things called junk bonds. And the reason they were called junk bonds because they were very risky, uh, because they were bonds for companies that were very, very, considered to be very risky. Because they were very risky, the return rate on those bonds had to be high because people were taking an additional risk. Same thing with your credit rating. Your credit rating is a risk score, okay, score that is telling the banks or whoever how much of a risk you are or have been in the past. You might be a, a, a totally reformed person, and you're going to pay all your bills on time. The risk, your credit rating is, shows what's in your past. The problem with risk, in my opinion, though, there is no absolute measure of risk. One thing that somebody might consider to be risky, somebody else might say, that's not that bad. What is your level of risk tolerance? There's no number to put on it. Um, there have been people who have looked at investments. Uh, American Express in the 50s is a great example. The American Express was having trouble. I can't remember exactly why, but their stock was getting hammered, was way down, and people thought the company was going to go out of business. And one guy went around and uh, tried to use his American Express card at different merchants. And he realized none of the merchants are caring about this. They're still ex accepting this card. So he said, this company's not going to have any trouble. So when the stock price was down, he bought a chunk of it, and he just sat on it. A few months later or so, the price rose right back up to where it was before. He sold and made out like a bandit. Somebody can say, well, he took a risk. Yeah, everything is a risk. I mean, you get up, you get out of bed, it's a risk. You can roll off the bed and hit your head and die. That's a risk. Um, there's risk in everything we do. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying... Um, understand your level of risk tolerance and is your level of risk tolerance specifically with investing a result of you not wanting to do your research. Now, I will be the first one to admit I bought Enron stock way back in the day. Um, not, not for a lot, but I bought it at a dollar a share when it had already gotten crushed. And I figured, okay, the crushing is over. I bought it for a dollar and I sold it for a nickel. Do that math. I hadn't bought a lot, didn't buy a lot of it, but I lost 95%, okay? Uh, somebody would say it was risky. Yeah, it was risky. Um, I used, I own Apple. I had owned Apple when it was $4 a share, okay? Somebody would say that's a risk. Apple is now price-adjusted selling for, I think, over $800 a share. Yeah, do that math. Um, was that a risk? Some people say, yeah. Uh, it, it, well, it was a risk, but how much of a risk? I bought Apple at four because I believed in the company. I knew the product. I liked the product. I believed in the company. You want to mitigate risk through research, plain and simple, because the thing that you might be thinking is a bad risk, you do a little research and realize, you know what, this is not that big of a risk. This United Airlines, stock price down 3%. Somebody bought it, that 3% drop and sat on it, and it went up 2%. By the end of that day trading, somebody said, "Well, that was a risk. Why was it a risk?" You know, well, they were getting hammered in the news. The underlying fundamentals of the company had not changed. The underlying fundamentals, this is what everybody looks at, had not changed. The stock price was getting hit because they dragged a passenger off a plane, and everybody had it on video. My point is, risk is a very nebulous. You can't really stick a pin in it. There are some things that, yes, are riskier, 
than other things, depending on your perspective. You know, is it risky to walk down the street with money hanging out of your pocket? Yeah. Is it risky to walk down the street with money hanging out of your pocket with guns? Probably not as risky. Okay. Or covered by bodyguards? Probably not as risky. So you, it's hard to say what is risky and what isn't because it's, it's not an absolute scale. Everything is on a t- continuous scale, and then it's our own perception of what we feel is a risky investment. Risky investment. So we throw that word around a lot, and people say, well, the, the risk is the, the, the risk that it won't be paid back. Yeah, because we put people in buckets with, with, with their, their um, credit rating, they say if you have a credit rating of 500 versus 650, you're more likely to not pay your debt. But what if you do pay your debt? Well, it wasn't a risk at all, but you paid. Um, you paid because of a number. Long-term investing. We got about five minutes, Tina. Thank you. I'm gonna try to talk about that for a minute. Um, depending on what your window is. Uh, long-term investing, ideally, you know, I think Warren Buffett is one of those people, he buys the stock and holds it for the long term. And, yeah, that's a valid strategy. Um, but you got to have a tolerance for ups and downs because no stock goes like that, except unless you're Bernie Madoff and you're lying to people. Um, long-term investing, the if you're investing not in your 401K, but if you're investing in a regular brokerage account, the tax implications are very different if you hold a stock for a year versus less than a year, okay? It's, called, it's considered long-term if you hold it for a year, and the tax on that money is once you sell and, and, and um, recognize the, the increase, the tax rate is lower than if you hold it for two weeks and sell it, okay? Long-term investing is a good idea. Amazon. Um, Try not to give too many stock uh, recommendations, but think about Amazon. I they don't like their published numbers about how many things they're selling. Um, they got they got their hands in a lot. Amazon is not going anyplace. I'll say that. Uh, I may even own it. I'm not sure. I got to look, but Amazon is not going anyplace. Um, I can't personally give a reason not to buy the company. I may own it. I, I, got, I just have to look at my portfolio. I got a bunch of stocks in there. I'm not making a stock recommendation. Look at it. Decide for yourself um, if you want to buy it. Um, but, yeah, Amazon's not going no place. That's why I'll, I'll say that Amazon, they got their hands, not just the stuff you buy online, but they also they have the Amazon Cloud, I think they call it, where millions of company use, companies use their cloud. So, yeah, they're not going anywhere. You know, how I feel about the company is relevant. I just don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon as far as they're not going out of business. What the stock price is going to do, I don't know. They came out with the echo. They, they, they're putting their hands in a lot of different places. So um, look at the company. I'll say that. You're looking at it, good idea to look at. It. I'm not going to say what you should or shouldn't do, but that's a good idea to look at. You've you got the right attitude. Look at it. Um, so, but, yeah, but long-term investing, you've got to have a – with investing long-term or short-term, if you have this idea that you're just going to jump in and it's going to be smooth sailing, it's not. You know, again, I, I bought it's, – it's April. I bought and sold some stocks this year. And I bought this year and I've already sold them because I was losing money. Um, which one? I'm going to – Snapchat was one. A um, couple others. Um, it's not 
it's not like that. A couple of, a couple of stocks in my portfolio I'm looking at getting rid of right now because I'm looking at, okay, I was expecting something to happen, and it didn't happen. And I'm like, okay, how long do I want to hold out and wait, you know, to see if it does happen? You know, it, you know that, that's – but the, the great thing, and you can see my, my phone here is uh, – got my, my watch on, but I keep, I keep track of everything. But the thing about – I got 90 seconds left at least on, on the blog talk, but I can stay on Facebook a little bit more. Um, the thing is, oh, I, I got to go to my computer, I just remember. With a stock, what I was saying, long-term, I forgot my tra- lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Um, and I'm going to get up and walk around in a minute because I got to go turn this thing off on my computer. Um, the long-term, you got to have, uh, if you're going to go long-term, don't look at it every day. The reason I showed you my phone, yeah, um, Whatever company you use for your investing, your brokerage account, more than likely they'll have an app you can put on your phone. So that's a real simple way to keep track of your stocks, real simple way. Put it in your phone. You can pull it up and look at it anytime you want, okay? So it's very easy now to keep track of what you're, of what you're doing, okay? Sorry to zoom in like that. I just remember I got to go to my computer. So I'm going to be walking and talking. Um, I'm going to walk into something. But, uh, but anyway, um, this has been a good show. I appreciate everybody's uh, input. Um, I thank you. Um, I don't think I got anything. I think I covered everything I wanted to cover right on time. And uh, we've got about 10 seconds left. But uh, we'll do this again in a couple of weeks. If you've got any questions, please, you can hit me up on, uh, on, on Facebook between the shows. And, uh, Tina, I'm going to do some research on what you, um, what you wanted, what you what you.